Now Pastor Rick begins an encouragement series with the message, What Can I Do For You? Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Amen. Good. You glad to be in the house of God? Amen. You know, I, you know, I wonder if people that aren't glad to be in the house of God, why they don't just stay home or go somewhere else, you know? If you're here because you're glad to be here, say amen. I'm glad to be in the house of God this morning. And we've got starting an encouragement series today, three messages on encouragement. Now, this first one, I know some of you, some of you going to walk out and think, well, that wasn't really encouraging because I'm going to, you know, this is the deep one, okay? This is the deep one. How many of you like to go deeper? Okay. But think about it. If you're planting something out in your backyard, you know, you're planting flowers, do you really like to go deeper? Nah, you know, it's a, yeah, if you want results, right? If you want to protect it, all that. But, you know, deeper means more work, right? And so a lot of times we don't want to go deeper. That's what this message is kind of going to be around. But I want to give you some encouragement. I know some of you are dealing with some stuff. Uh, this is something I believe God laid on my heart. And since uh, this has been laid on my heart, I've heard more and more of some of the issues, situations, uh, life things that are affecting some of you. And, and I know this message is for some of you this morning that really need some encouragement to know how to get to that place of receiving. So let's have a word of prayer and get into uh, this, uh, this new series. And this message this morning is, what can I do for you? Okay, Father, I love you, God. Thank you, Lord, for all your blessings. Thank you, God, for speaking to us in the early service. And Lord, I pray, do that again in this service as well. God, I, I've got some brothers and sisters sitting here in front of me, God, that have some real needs, Lord. They, they, uh, they, don't, they don't have needs, Lord, that can just be fixed with a, a little bit of duct tape. God, they need God to show up. They need you to show up. They need your power. They need your strength. God, they need uh, the, the promises of your word to be real in, to them. And Lord, I pray, God, that you help us hear these things, see these things. God, and be, begin to dig in and, and to, to begin to do what is necessary to see you really perform the miracles, God. Not, God, not just the little stuff, but the miracles that we really truly need and want and desire in our lives. God, we need so much, Lord, in so many of our families, Lord, right now. And I just pray, God, that that be done. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Now, I have a hypothesis spiritually about Christians. I want, I want to tell you. I believe that a lot of Christians are lazy. Okay, I got one amen. <laughs> got a couple of smiles. And then the rest of you is like, I don't know about this now. I believe a lot of Christians are lazy. We come to church and we just kind of sit here and say, okay, God, just fill us up, right? You know, it's like we just come for the freebies. Now, if, you want, if, you, if you're okay with the freebies, then I'm not preaching to you this morning. You can go ahead and you don't have to wait five or ten minutes in. You can go ahead and go to sleep right now, okay? Just go ahead and go to sleep. If you just want the freebies, you just want the easy stuff, I don't have anything for you today. I'm, I'm going to speak to the people that have real issues in their lives. You need a real God to show up. You need something powerful to happen. You don't just need a little bit of do better. I mean, just hearing us sing a little bit wasn't enough. You need to get involved in the singing just hearing a word is enough. You need to respond to the word this morning. And having somebody pray around you is enough. You need to pray this morning. You know, I was thinking, we got this reality series coming up this uh, next month. And I was thinking about that, about, you know, that, that you can kind of use those a little bit. How many of you like reality TV? Any of you like some of the reality shows? You got to be careful with some of them, don't you? But I mean, you know, there's some, like some of the ones we're going to use, uh, like, uh, uh, you know, The Apprentice, you know, they're... 
the apprentice things, I mean, you, you know, you're going after a big prize there. I mean, you know, be able to work with Donald Trump, and I, I, I would personally run from that. But I know, you know, if you're, you're one of those, I mean, you know, that's a pretty big prize. Or, or uh, the amazing race, uh, I didn't know, but I had to ask Margie in the middle of service. Uh, a million-dollar prize for that. That's a pretty big deal, right? A million dollars, the amazing race. And uh, uh, what was the other one? Uh, one of the others was a million dollars as well. And, you know, Survivor, I think, was the other one I asked about. It was a million dollars. Well, those are big prizes, right? You know, but if you want those, I mean, you know, it's not let's make a deal. Y'all ever seen let's make a deal? How, what do you have to do to win at let's make a deal? I mean, how much work do you have to put in to let's make a deal? I mean, all you got to do is just pick a box, a door, or a, a, a curtain or something, right? And hope it's the right one. And I meant your chances are about 50-50. I mean, it's really just a, you know, a shot in the dark that you're going to get something or not. But hey, you didn't have to put anything into it, so there's no reason to get really upset. And that's the way a lot of Christians approach Sunday morning services and their whole Christian life. It's like they just kind of show up and just whatever, you know, God, what have you got for me today? You know, whatever's, you know, it's like, uh, whatever is behind door number three, God, okay, I'll take that today. You know, wh whatever you've got, I'll take. But some of you, you don't need just the freebie stuff. Because you know what? We're talking about different, you know, we're talking about maybe a $500 prize on Let's Make a Deal. And a million dollar prize in the reality show that takes the work. And that's the way it is a lot of times with our Christianity. Is we're talking about the little freebie stuff. Yeah, you can get just show up and say, "Oh God, what do you got for me?" Well, let me tell you. On your way out the door, if you were here for the freebie stuff, we've got an ink pen with a logo on it. You can have that. Anyway, we got freebies here. Okay, we got stuff we can give you. But if you've got real needs in your life, if you've got really, really deep needs and situations that you needed God for, it's going to take more than just showing up and say, "God, what have you got for me?" You're going to have to go deeper in some areas. And so this morning, I want to present to you the story of Elisha. Not the entire life story, but the very beginnings of Elisha. I believe Elisha would have been a good reality show contestant, especially for something like Apprentice, because that's what we see exactly right here in these first stories. So here, read our scripture, and this is about the end of the life of Elijah, okay? So uh, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 8. Elijah took his cloak, he rolled it up, and struck the water with it. Now, they're, they've gone on a walk this day, Elijah and Elisha together. And uh, they get to a river, and uh, the Jordan River, and Elijah takes his coat, rolls it up, and hits the top of the water with it, and the water divides to the right and to the left, and the two of them cross over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? And Elisha replies, Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Elijah said, you have asked a difficult thing, yet if you see me when I am taken from you, if you see me when I am taken from you, then it will be yours, otherwise not. Sorry. As they were walking along, talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. And so Elisha sees this, right? And so that's... That's the qualifier there. Elisha saw this, cried out. He says, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel stood beside himself, and Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart in just passion, and he picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah as Elijah was taken up, and he went back and he stood at the bank of the Jordan, and here comes the first test. Okay, let me see. Did I get a double portion of Elijah's spirit? Then he took the cloak that had fallen from, from Elisha, Elijah, and Elisha struck the water with it, and he said, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. 
The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. And so Elisha did get the double double portion of Elijah. Elijah had been walking around doing miracles. You know what I mean? People be coming back to life, you know, and miracles were uh, taking place. People were getting their needs met. And Elisha says, I want twice what you've got. And the, but the way to get that was going to take a little bit more. In verse 9, to go back to that real quick, says, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you? I want a double portion. That's not, that's not coming to church and saying, well, what have you got for me today is fine. That's not showing up in the end. You remember when we preached about that about the, in the Old Testament? It says, no one is to appear before the Lord empty-handed. Meaning when you come to the temple, you don't just show up and say, okay, I think I'll give God some praise today. No, you prepare. You've got something in your heart, in your mind. You, you've been thinking about it all week long, and you come to the house of God and say, okay, I've got something to give God. I mean, you know, when, when Jamie takes a few moments, maybe between a, a, a couple of verses, and she said, just tell God something out of your heart. If you hadn't been thinking all week long about God, there's probably not anything in your heart to tell him. You've got to be preparing something like that all week long. And so Elisha's saying, I want a double portion of what you got. I mean, that, that's more than, it's going to take more than just a drive-by prayer and reading a verse right before you go to sleep so you can check it off your list and say, I'm a good Christian because I had devotion tonight. It's going to take more than that. It's going to take going deeper in several areas. And right here in the life of Elisha, we see them. Right here, just right here at the very end of this story, coming into the end of Elijah's life, we see these things. So let's back up. And we'll show you four things real quick. And, and the first one is passion. Passion. He had passion, okay? Uh, let's back up. And, and remember, we're backing up before this happened. Elijah went from there, and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to Elisha and threw his cloak around him. So he took his cloak off, and he put it around Elisha. And Elisha recognized what Elijah was doing. He was saying, God has chosen you to follow in my footsteps, Okay? Uh, Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Elijah replied, go back. What have I done to you? Elisha then left. and ran. He, he knew what this symbolized. This symbolized you're going to be the one that's going to walk in my footsteps. You're going you're to take the, uh, these next steps, these next days. You're going to take what I have begun, and you're going to fulfill it. And you're going to begin doing what I have done. You're going to be the next prophet. Elijah was the prophet of the age of that time. I mean, he was the guy that, that was doing all the work that was happening and the, the miracles of God. And, and he said, now this is going to pass on to you and God is going to... That's what this symbolized when he put the cloak around him. And so what did Elisha do? It said, Elisha left his oxen and ran after Elijah. He had passion. And here, here let me ask you this question right now. When is the last time you ran after God? When is the last time you chased after him with all of your might? I mean, you, ch- you, you sought after him. You know what we need to do? We need to quit wasting God's time with insignificant prayers. We need to. Say, well, what do you mean by that? You know, I, I don't mean, you know, some people pray over hangnails and things like that. That's not even what I'm talking about, okay? But I'm talking about an insignificant. You know what an insignificant prayer is? It's one that you don't really even mean. When you pray today for something and you don't ever mention it again, 
that's an insignificant prayer. You just wasted God's time. You don't care about that thing. You need to get passionate. If there's something that you want from God, you need to get a passion about that and say, I've got to have this, God, no matter what it costs, no matter how long it takes, no matter how far I've got to go, no matter how deep I've got to dig, I've got to have this thing in my life. I want to see my kids saved. I want to see my finances turned around. I want to see my marriage healed. I want, I've got something big. I this is not a freebie thing. I know this thing is going to take some serious work. And the first thing you got to have is you got to have some passion. And I believe sometimes God, God probably sits on his throne and he hears us pray a prayer. And then he just kind of says, oh, wait a minute, guys. They're not serious about this. Don't move just yet. They'll never mention this. This will be gone from them as soon as they say amen. I believe probably there have been times where, 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 where God, the Holy Spirit, just held back because he knew that you weren't passionate about that. You know, those drive-by prayers. You know, talking about those, you know, past couple weeks where you just drive by places and say, oh, God, heal everybody, save everybody, deliver everybody, blah, 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 you know? Just kind of drive by and you just keep on going. And we, we do those. You don't even have to be in a car to do those. I mean, we do those with everybody else. You know, here's, what I, here's what I, uh, something I want to, I want the Holy Spirit to put a check in your heart right now. That the next time, you know, don't ever mention anything in prayer ever again. You ever told anybody, I'm going to mention you in prayer. Don't do it. I pray the Holy Spirit puts a check in your spirit that the next time you start to think or pray and to mention somebody in prayer, that the Holy Spirit says, don't even, don't mention something in prayer Either get passionate about it and get serious with God about it or quit wasting your time and his time in it. I believe, I believe maybe there have been times where, where Gabriel has started to get up off of, of his seat or, or his place and, and, and amass the ar an army, a legion of angels to come to your, to your aid. And God said, wait just a minute. They're not serious about this thing. We'll never hear about it again. Tomorrow it will be gone from them. And I believe because we just, we just simply waste. Let's quit wasting God's time. If you've got something you need from God, the first thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to get passionate about this. And can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? This, this is serious to me because this is my kids. You know, when things happen to my kids, it's serious. And you know what? Nobody else is going to be more passionate about my kids than me. In my marriage, nobody's going to be more passionate about my marriage than me and my wife. There's nobody out there going to get passionate with God and is going to fast and pray and seek God's face and call it out. Nobody's going to get more passionate than we will about our marriage. Our, my finances, my future, and my decisions, nobody's going to be more passionate than I am about those things. And so we, we've got to get passionate about those things that we want from God. And quit just showing up on a Sunday. God, what have you got for me today? It's never going to happen. If you don't get, if you don't get passionate, I, I can tell you, the, it, the things that some of you are needing are never going to come to pass in your life if you don't get passionate about praying and seeking God. How many days have you fasted over that? You want to see your kids saved? How many days have you fasted? How many meals have you fasted? Have you fasted a meal yet for them? How many days in a row have you called their name before God? How many tears have you cried in prayer over them and related to whatever your need is? You got a financial need, you got a problem in your marriage, you got a decision to make. How many days? How many tears? How many prayers? How many meals? Answer that question. Because if you have to say zero, one, or two about any of that, you're not really passionate yet. God, give us a passion to see those things because it's not going to happen to the end. Secondly, He sacrificed. Sacrificing is going to be important, but we don't understand sacrifice around here. Let me show you sacrifice. Right here. So Elijah left Elijah and went back. We're still like in the same timeline. Remember, what we read at first is at the end of this, we backed up. We're in this timeline. 
The next verse says, Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. He burned his plowing equipment, burned his plow, and he cooked his oxen. You know what he was doing? He was sacrificing. He was burning his bridges. He was burning the bridges back to his own self-reliance. When he, when he burned that, that plow, and when he cooked those oxen, I mean, there was no backing up to yesterday anymore. He, he couldn't go back. Now he had to rely on God. He had put himself in a place of having to believe God for everything that he needed. Now listen, I, I got to qualify this, because uh, in case there's any of those lazy Christians here today, uh, you'll, you'll take advantage of this. Let me make sure you understand. I did not say, go quit your job and let God provide for you. Somebody say amen, right? You know, because there are some things you can do for yourself, right? You know how to take a bath and brush your teeth. Everybody? Everybody? Anybody not know how? We need to give you some remedial classes on that, especially if you're going to sit around me, you know, anytime in the service. You know, we all know how to take a bath. We all know how to brush our teeth. We all know how to dress up real nice. We all know how to prepare a resume. If you don't, we got people here in the church that can help you with that too, Okay. And you know what? If you're looking for a job, you can do all those things. You know, you can take a bath, you can brush your teeth, you can dress up real nice, you can prepare a resume, and you can go out and for a job interview. But some of you looking for a job, you found out this is a really bad time to be looking for a job. I know people are looking for two jobs, and they can't even find one. They need two to make ends meet. They can't even find one good one to halfway make ends meet. And so you know what? They can do all those things, but you know what they've got to do? Is they've got to stop relying just on themselves, because this is a difficult time. These are difficult situations and circumstances. It's a time that, that, that money is tied out there, jobs, the, the, the job market is tied out there, and this is going to take more than just taking a bath, brushing your teeth, and getting a good resume. You know what you need? You need to get passionate, and you need to put yourself in a place of I, and understand I need God to help me with this. God, go before me. You need to start praying. God, go before me tomorrow in this job interview. Give me favor with whoever it is. I don't even know who I'm talking to, God, but you know where they live right now. Tonight, God, you can let them see my face, God, in a, in a, in a dream somewhere. You can give me favor with them when I walk in the door and for them to know that I'm, that, that I'm the person they need to hire. God, you can do all that. For, but you know what? We're all relying on our, our own ability. And that's why we're working 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours trying to make ends meet. It's because we're relying on our own ability. And you know what? You're never going to get there. I don't, I don't care what you think. I don't care what the devil is making you believe. You're never going to get there in your own ability. Go ahead, add 10 more hours to your work week. Take it away from your family. Take it away from your kids. Take it away from the things that you like to do. Go ahead, add those 10 hours. And you still will not get what you need because what you're wanting, this, this big thing, not the freebie, but but the big thing you're needing from God is not going to be found in 10 more hours of work. It's not going to be found in taking two baths a day. It's not going to be found in, in making a bigger resume. It's going to be found in, in stopping the reliance upon yourself and say, wait a minute, this is bigger than me. I'm believing God for something much bigger. And it may not be a job. It may be your kids being saved. It may be a, your marriage is falling apart and you need God to heal it in a hurry before y'all kill it. Whatever it is, so you need to say, wait a minute, I've got to have God 
in this, and you're going to have to quit relying upon yourself and start relying upon a God. That's what he did, is he burned his bridges to go back to his self-reliance and said, this thing that I need is bigger than me. It's bigger than anybody else in my life. I've got to have something bigger. You know what? We've talked about this before, haven't we? That if you're not believing, believing for things that you need God's help with, then you're not, you're not dreaming big enough. I mean, if you, can, if you can meet every one of your needs in life, then you probably don't need a whole lot. I mean, you know, you might be like the guys we saw last week when we were in Cordova. Uh, you know, they loaded up and came over to work. And you know what? They didn't need a thing when they got there. They had their tents. They had their sleeping bags. They had water. And they had, you know, food and some things like that. You know, they didn't need it. Uh, they went down to the creek and bathed. So you know what? If you just want the freebies, that's the kind of spiritual life you're going to be living. You're going to be living in a tent with your sleeping bags and, you know, and with the bottled water and, and taking a bath in the creek. Spiritually speaking, that's what's going to happen to you. But if you want, if you see, we need to start dreaming for the bigger stuff. And when we dream for the bigger stuff, it means that we've got to have God's help. And so when we realize we've got to have God's help, then we can start, we can start receiving those things. But we can't as long as we're relying on self. So burn those bridges. Next was consistency. Consistency. Can anybody say consistency? You know what consistency is? Y'all know what that is? It means being consistent. It means being constant. It means being the same. Look at it right here. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? And Elisha replied, yes, I know it, but don't speak of it. Don't say anything. Then Elijah said to him, okay, now stay here, Elisha. He just said that about they're going to Bethel. And he said, stay here. And he said, you stay here, here now, Elisha, in Bethel, because the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And, that, and he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. Twice, Elijah tried to get him to remain. He said, just stay right here. And both times, Elijah said, uh-uh, I'm going with you. He said, stay here, I've got to go to Bethel. Uh-uh, I'm going with you. He said, stay here, I've got to go to Jericho. He said, uh-uh, I'm going with you. Consistency. Hanging on. He was there. He knew something was about to happen. Now, we get a clue of it right there in that verse right before it, don't we? Because even the, the young prophets, the company of prophets, the young men, the men who were kind of in the prophet's school, you know, they, they said, hey, did you know that God is going to take Elijah from us today? And we've already read that scripture at the very beginning of, the, of this sermon. But, and Elijah says, shh, don't say Sounds like he's trying to keep it all to himself, doesn't he? But he's not. You know what? All the, rest of the, all the rest of the school of the prophets, the young guys, the young prophets, they knew it, right? I mean, they're the ones that said it to him. They knew that Elijah was leaving. But did they walk with him? Did they go to Jericho? Did they cross the Jordan River? No. They didn't follow. They followed along and around and about Elijah because that's what they did as this company of prophets. They followed his thoughts and his ideas and his teachings, and they were with him at times. But Elisha knew that wasn't going to be enough. Just knowing that God could do and that God was going to was not enough. He knew that he had to be there. Be there. That's something we talked about a couple weeks ago with the men. Be there. Man, we need to be there for one another. We need to be there for each other. Ladies, you need to be there for one another. We talked last week about how we need our older women to be there for our younger women. 
And when I say older, I don't mean just the older, older, older like some of you are thinking older. I mean just anybody younger than you. You need to be there for them. We need to be there for one another. It's not enough to just think and it's not enough to just know. It's not enough to just hear the word. We need to be there in it. We need to be engrossed in it. We need to have it in and out of us, coming in and out of us if we want the big stuff. And that's what he did. He was consistent because here's what he knew. Is you know what? Today looks pretty much like yesterday. A little cooler today than it was yesterday. A little cooler yesterday than it was the day before. But it looks pretty much the same. This looks like, you know, any normal average Sunday. But Elisha knew there was a day coming. And then he found out this was the day. And so and he said, there's, there's coming a moment at some point today. And I, I can just see him maybe grabbing a hold of the, of the belt of Elijah and making sure he don't, you know, I'm following this guy around everywhere he goes today. Because he knew that even though today looked like any normal day, today was going to be his day. And if he missed today, see, there's the consistency problem. And some people have this attitude, well, if God gives me a, an, a, an opportunity today, he'll, he'll give me an opportunity tomorrow. Tell me where that's in the Bible. If you miss me today, I'll be back tomorrow. Tell me where that's in the Bible. If you don't do my will today, I'll, I'll let you do it tomorrow instead. Tell me where that's in the Bible. Uh, today, tomorrow, any old day is the day of salvation. Tell me where that's in the Bible. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of opportunity. You have a, you have, whatever opportunity you have today is the opportunity you have. And you don't have a promise of an opportunity tomorrow. You don't have that promise. And Elisha knew that. And so you know what he wouldn't do? He would not allow himself. He knew that this looked like any other old day, but this could be his day. Remember, Mark, I believe it's Mark chapter 5. Jesus went to the temple. You know what it talks about? He went to the temple like he normally did. He went to the temple often. When he was in Jerusalem, he would go to the temple. And he went to the temple this day, and it wasn't any special day. They didn't put up posters outside and say, Jesus is coming to the temple today. Everybody show up. This was just a normal day, like any other day that he had gone to the temple. He went to the temple, and there that day was a man who had a withered hand. It was a hand that had drawn and withered. You remember that story? And Jesus had him stand up. Jesus saw the withered hand. Jesus was going to heal him, but Jesus also was listening to the thoughts of the religious ones out there in the crowd, and they, they were trying to just check Jesus. And they, were, they were thinking, this would be something we can, we can trip, trick him up with. We can trick him with, trip him up with. And, and, and so they were watching him, and Jesus said, Jesus got angry at them. I, I checked a couple of versions. See, yeah, that's what he said. He said he got angry at them. But he told the man as he stood up, he said, reach your hand out. And as he reached his hand out, it was healed. And this man... I don't, it doesn't say. I, I don't know how many times and how often this man went to the temple, but what I do know is I know Jesus went often. I know Jesus was there a lot of times, but this, this was not just any old day. This was that man's day. And you know, what if that man, he might have been there yesterday and the day before and the week before and every, every day of the month before and every day of the year before. He might have been there all the but if he had missed this day. You see, consistency is not, is not about picking and choosing when you do God's thing and when you do your thing. Consistency is about saying, I'm always going to be there and I'm always going to do God. And you know, one of the reasons we don't get the big stuff out of God is because there's no consistency. You know, I, I mean, if God didn't know the future, God wouldn't have any idea whether we were going to show up and do his thing or not. And I'm not just talking about Sunday morning. You remember that word that God spoke to Trace a couple of weeks ago? You know, don't let this be the last Christian thing that you do. You know, for a lot of us, an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning, that's our Christianity, and, and, and that, that's not enough. And so you know what, God, except for the fact that God can look into the future and he knows what it looks like, what your life looks like this week, if it wasn't for that, God wouldn't know if you're going to show up for him tomorrow or not, if you're going to be his man tomorrow or not. 
If you're going to be a woman of God tomorrow or not, if you're going to walk in passion, if you're going to walk in sacrifice, if you're going to walk in consistency, God wouldn't even know about most Christians because we're lazy. We do what is easy. We, we just take whatever God gives because we don't want to have to work for it. Give me a let's make a deal moment. I don't want to have a survivor, have a survivor life and get the big stuff. We just want the easy. And if this man had not, and I wonder, you know, t- tomorrow morning, I-, I-, I pray the Holy Spirit gives you this check in your spirit as well. I pray, tomorrow morning when you wake up and you look around, I hope you think, looks like any old day. But this might be my day. This might be my day to hear my promise. This might be my day to receive that big thing, that big answer that God is wanting to give me. And the last thing is faith. Hebrews says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. You know what hope is? Hope is not, hope really isn't as strong as faith normally. Most people base their faith on something, a word, you know, like, okay, God spoke this to me, so I'm going to have faith. Sometimes it's just hope. I mean, you don't, you, God ain't even spoken yet, and you got to hope anyway. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. You just, that's what faith is. Sometimes you just got to hope that God's going to show up. The evidence of things not. So faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. That's what Hebrews says faith is. And so that means stuff you cannot see. That's what faith, faith is when you cannot see and yet anyway, you still believe God. You still trust God. You still, you still say it's going to happen. That's what faith is. Is even though I can't see it, and even though everything I do see is destruction, that I, I, I have faith, even though what I do see is bad, what I do see is falling apart, I have faith that God is still able and God still wants to. That's what faith is. Elisha had faith. So the, the last phrase of that verse, and I didn't read it just a moment ago, it says, so they went to Jericho. That shows me his faith. It proves to me Elisha's faith. What do you see there? Maybe we'll take that last, that first word and put it at the end, right? They went to Jericho. So? Right? So? I mean, what does it show you there? Doesn't say a whole lot, does it? Look deeper. Did I tell you this is a deeper sermon? Look deeper. What else do you see? You see, to me and you, that doesn't mean a whole lot, does it? They went to Jericho. You know, it'd be like this afternoon. Some of you are going to get in your car and you're going to drive across town to eat in a restaurant. You're going to pass a couple of dozen restaurants on your way, right? but there's a particular one you want to go to. No big deal, right? Three and a half dollars a gallon of gas, what we're going to pay. And we really, you know, we complain about it, but has it slowed you down? I can't tell it. You've been on 280 lately? Doesn't look like anybody's quit driving over there. 459 I-65 interchange, doesn't look like anybody's quit driving over there. I mean, up and down this road, let me tell you, don't step out in traffic, you'll get run over just right here in Mount Olive, Alabama. I can't tell. We talk like it's a big deal, but it's not a big deal to us. You see, that's why we don't get what the message is right here, because it's no big deal to us to drive down to Jericho. Oh, oh, wait a minute, though. They didn't drive down to Jericho. They walked to Jericho, but they had already walked to Bethel, and now they were walking to Jericho and coming back. And this was all before what? The promise. Before Elisha had a promise, Added up, he walked 30 miles with Elijah that day. Anybody ever walked 30 miles in one day? Before he had a promise, he walked 30 miles. 
That's faith. To walk without a promise. You see, some of you say, well, if God would ever tell me when he's going to do it, then I, 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 I'll show some faith. That's not faith. If God would tell me how he's going to do it, no, that's not faith. Faith is walking and doing right. You know, I, I, think, I think he would also be a good candidate for secret millionaire. I haven't seen that show yet, but I understand the premise is there's a, a millionaire, and he just goes and he kind of lives as a commoner, you know, and he gets to know people, and then he gives a million dollars to someone who, I don't know, it might not be a million dollars, but gives a big, big prize of some kind to someone that deserves it. And, and, you know, and this person doesn't even know. So, you know, this person is doing what is good and right, not because they know there's a prize, but because doing what is good and right is what is good and right. Elisha would be a good candidate for that reality show too because he did what was right even when there wasn't a prize. You get that? We're waiting for God to do it. It's like people say, well, I'll, I'll, you know, I guess I've probably heard this one more than any. I'll start paying tithes when God starts meeting all of my needs. Yeah, that's backwards. There's no faith in that. I mean, God gives me a million dollars a day. It'd be easy for me to write a $100,000 check of my tithes. That's what people say. You put a million dollars in somebody's pocket, though, and ask them about writing a $100,000 check. It, may, it, gets a lot, it gets a lot harder because, you know, it was a whole lot easier on me when I was a kid making $15 a week to write a $1.50 check for tithes than it is these days. That's a bigger number than it was back those days. Faith, though, is walking without a promise. That's what Elisha did. 30 miles without a promise. Stand with me, if you will. Can I ask everyone to please come to the front? Let's close in prayer. Come on. If you're a lazy Christian, you didn't take this as an encouraging sermon. But let me tell you the encouraging part to me. I, I, to, I told you this story I know one time. We had a really, uh, I'll say as brief as I can, we had a really bad situation in our life, our family, uh, a few years ago. We, we, I mean, we, had, we had an attack against us. It was something we hadn't done. And it looked like disaster was going to happen. And I uh, was at mom and dad's house. We were headed somewhere, and mom said, let's pray. And we started to pray. In the middle of that prayer, God spoke to me. We were praying, God, make this over today. Finish this right now. Me and Dava, my mom and dad, we were all praying, finish this. Stop these people. And you know what? God spoke to me in the middle of that prayer and said, it won't be over today. Sound like bad news to you? Not to me. Because the heavens had been silent for so long to hear God speak and say it won't be over today that let me know he knew when it was going to be over and he already had a plan for it to be over <laughs> think about that so this sermon might for you lazy Christians if any of you are here this sermon might not have sounded like an encouraging word but if you want something you don't want the freebies you're not just interested in the ink pen we got for you today you want something real from God. This should have been an encouraging word for you because listen to this. Remember this last point right here. It's even if you don't have a promise, you walk in faith and hope today anyway because the promise is coming. The promise is coming. And after the promise, 
the miracle will be there. Close your eyes with me.